good people. This is David Opposing the Matrix here with another show. Um, I have Ralph as my guest or my partner here on the show. And um, Ralph's going to be, well, I'm going to ask Ralph what he's talking about. Ralph, what are you going to talk about today? Well, I'll do that. If I may, uh, thank you very much for the introduction. I, I'll, we'll cover some comments about how I do my own stuff. I'm going to ask you to see, this is a frame letter. Mm-hmm. So okay. I, I'm going to zoom in because I want, if you cannot see it, I'm hoping you'll trust me that this letter might indicate that little Ralphie cost Margaret Thatcher her job. Nice. Okay, let's see if we can do this. This is from um, uh, number 10 Downing Street, London, uh, yeah, London, England. Okay, it says, Dear Mr. Epperson, the Prime Minister has asked me to thank you for sending me a copy of your book, which I am sure she will be interested to see when time permits. Yours truly, and I can't read the name. That's okay, let's go. What's, where's the, what is the Prime, what is this building? That's her, where she lives. I right, think. yeah, number 10 Downing Street, uh-huh. Yeah, let's get the date okay the th- where's the date yeah right there hold it steady uh, the 15th of November 1990 okay please remember that now let's take a look at 13 days later okay uh, this date this century the Arizona Daily Star November 28th uh, yeah it's, it's it's blurry Ralph okay Trust me, David. I do. 1990, November 28th. Margaret Thatcher resigns as Prime Minister of Great Britain during an audience with Queen Elizabeth, who confers the title on John Major. Now, let's just say that Margaret was seen reading the new Yunsen hand. Right. What you got there, Margaret? I got this book by Everson and tell her. Oh, thank you very much. Our queen, uh, Margaret's going to figure it out. Uh, maybe we should ask her to retire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, I can't prove that, but it's an amazing coincidence, isn't it? Mm-hmm. What are the dates again, Ralph? The date of the letter, letter and the date of the article. You want to look at the two dates? Yeah. Forgive me. 13, uh, 15 November 1990. Okay. And the, the star was announced on the 28th of November. So, so 13 the, days. 13 yeah. days later. Wow. And that means it could actually have been the day, or just this date, this century. So uh-huh. that, that was that was when she, I don't know that that happened, but they're putting A plus B plus, you're not supposed to know that, Margaret Thatcher. We know that. Right, right. But now we can get to the subject of thing. Okay. The Kennedy assassination, Conspir- uh, uh, conspiracy and cover-up. Who's that picture? John F. Kennedy. Conspiracy and cover-up. Okay. Now, here we go. Ralph Everson, I have no staff assisting me, and no researchers are doing my research. No one is advising me. I am totally responsible for the collecting the information that I have gathered for this production. 
this one woman, this one woman will prove that Lee Harvey Oswald was not on the sixth floor. One woman. Right. This is her high school graduation picture. Victoria Adams. The Girl on the Stairs, My Search for uh, Missing Witness to the Assassination of John F. Kennedy, Barry Ernest. That's the source of the, uh, I'll just put the bottom down here, the source. Okay, Barry, uh, I think there's some writing up on top. I know, okay. Okay. Barry. okay. Barry Ernest and his book is the source of most of the information in this section of the material. She worked on the fourth floor of the school book depository building and with two other women watched the motorcade from a window on the third on the fourth floor. After the shots, she and three co-workers ran from the front of the building to the back and down the stairs to the first floor and then got onto a loading dock and then to the grassy knoll. Stairs, stairs. Yeah. Now, according to the Warren Commission, Lee Harvey Oswald was on the sixth floor behind an open window on the east side of the depository. <clears throat> After the firing of the shots, he took his rifle and hid it be between some boxes. He then walked to the northwest corner of the building and then entered down the stairway. This is one that's again one of my magnificent teaching aids. Thank you. Um, the Texas School Book School Depository, sixth floor, and it shows. Let's start down here. Okay, and it says Oswald, and but there's a stairway there. Looks like. And what he went through a bunch of books. Yeah. Laid, laid the, the rifle down and uh -huh. went to the same stairway that Miss Adams went. Okay, I see and that. Now, the rear stairs. We've got at least four people walking down the, the stairs. Right. So this is Oswald. And headed toward the stairs in the west side of the building to the stairs down to the fifth floor. He continued to the second floor where he walked into a room with a Coca-Cola machine. Mm -hmm. Now, the Texas School Book Depository was an old building, and the wooden stairs were very noisy. People either walked up or down <clears throat> the stairway. could be heard on all floors of the building. Wow, boy, isn't that interesting? Yeah, it is. Wow. So now we, are supposedly, so now we supposedly have at least four people using the same noisy stairway at the same time. Nice. Three shots, stairway, bang, down. These are the observations made by Miss Adams in the book. <clears throat> we ran down the stairs, quote. She told me she saw and heard no one on the back stairs. Because she would have heard it, right, right Ralph? Because it was noisy. Yeah. She should have heard or seen Oswald, yet she didn't. 
did you encounter anyone while you were on the stairway? Quote, no, during the actual running down the stairs. She certainly should have seen or at least heard Oswald if he had been coming down from the sixth floor. When anyone was on the stairs, you could hear them on any floor. We would have heard someone on the stairs. That's in quotes. So, <clears throat> sure. So, if Oswald was not on the sixth floor, where was he? Now, we're going to answer that question after we, first of all, put Leo Oswald on the map. We're going to talk now about him. Personally, mm -hmm. very quickly, to tell us a little bit about him. October 26, 1956, Oswald joined the Marines. He arrived at the Marine Corps Depot in San Diego, California. January 20th, 1957, arrived at Camp Pendleton, California. Oswald reportedly continued to speak favorably of communism. Oh boy, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Are you going to speak for me? Okay, Ralph Epperson. This tells me that the CIA has already approached him and asked him if he wanted to truly serve his country. And that they would slowly get him prepared to become a CIA agent. Uh, Crossfire, Jim Mars, page 101. Mm -hmm. March 1957, reported to the Naval Air Technical Training Center in Jacksonville, Florida, trained as a radar air controller. Oh, I never knew that. Huh. And given a security clearance of confidential, May 3rd, 1957, to Kessler Air Force Base in Mississippi. Later in May, sent to Marine Corps Air Station, El Toro, California, August 22, 1957, to Atsagi Marine Base in Japan. Well, you got to see the world, huh? Yes, you did. Well, a little bit. Ralph Epperson, <clears throat> quote, This is where he was given minor orders to make him an intelligence operative. Jim Mars, unknown date. Oswald was taught in rapid courses in language at the Monterey School of Languages. He's learning Russian. Ah, interesting. Ralph Epperson, this must be when he learned Russian. Ralph Epperson, the following pages were prepared for, for a DVD that I made about Oswald and the assassination. These are long, but we'll just take a sober step. Okay. They told him that they would train him in assassination techniques so he could assassinate Fidel Castro. They arranged for him <clears throat> to go to Minsk, Russia, to be trained by the KGB. And they got him <clears throat> out without being interrogated by the U.S. State Department after he returns to America. 
I do not believe that he knew anything about the assassination of President John Kennedy until November 22, 1963. In other words, he went to Russia to uh, the city of I don't know if I put that in there. Minsk. Minsk. Mm-hmm. And that's where the KGB trains assassins. Ah. No, he was there for a year and a half or whatever. Huh. Sure. I, I did read these. These were prepared years ago. Wow. Uh, that is why he stood on the steps of the Texas School Book Depository, watched Kennedy get hit with the first shot, and then he walked back inside to get a soft train. This was this was a trigger. This would trigger his training, and and go to Cuba to assassinate Fidel Castro. He had been told by the CIA that he should go to his home, pick up his pistol, and then proceed to the theater, where he would meet a pilot who would fly him to Cuba, uh, because the CIA would publicly proclaim that Oswald was a dedicated Marxist communist who had killed JFK to avenge all of the... to avenge all of the... Attempts the CIA made on the life of Fidel Castro. They had convinced Oswald that he would be hailed in Cuba by Castro himself as a communist patriot who killed the president that had tried to assassinate him. And he could return to America as an American patriot that had killed the communist Fidel Castro. He had previously arranged various activities in New Orleans and Dallas to show the media that he was truly a Marxist communist who was enamored with Castro's communism. In other words, she's acting out as a communist so he can go to, with his pistol, we'll put things here in a minute, to kill Castro. Right. Uh, During his interrogation in Dallas, he repeatedly claimed that he was a patsy, and, and he was. He had no doubt told them about his involvement with the CIA in the plot to kill Fidel Castro, and they knew they all had to silence him or the truth would come out. And this is why the Dallas police and the FBI had not kept transcripts of his questioning. So the Dallas police arranged with Mafia to transfer Oswald um, in the basement so that Jack Ruby could kill him or silence him forever. Little different view of what was going on, isn't it? Yeah, you ain't kidding. The conspiracy had successfully assassinated Kennedy, and for over 50 years, they have gotten away with it. Why did they assassinate President Kennedy in public with eyewitnesses? To warn congressmen, senators, and cabinet officials, judges, etc., that if the conspirators told them that that if they could assassinate the president and get away with it, what makes the government officials think the conspirators could not get away with assassinating a lowly government official? So they are living in fear. They might be right. In other words, it doesn't make sense. If you want to get, here's what I would have done if you want to assassinate. You, know, you go to the chef in the White House and says, here's a million dollars. Sprinkle this on your Cheerios in the morning. Mm-hmm. That's over. Yeah. And then you take the, the chef out. No, he gets it out in the public and there are people watching. Right. Wow. Yeah. 
Now let's get into another subject about the conspiracy. All right, Vice President Lyndon Johnson knew. So who's in that picture? Uh, John Kennedy, his wife, um, Jackie, and Johnson's in the background, scowling. And he's scowling. Notice that. Yes, yeah. I'm going to prove that he knew. Proof. Not kidding. No joke. He knew. All right. Madeline Brown, Lyndon Johnson's mistress and mother of their son. Oh, Oh, boy. He had a mistress, Johnson? Oh, we don't know what happened to him. No. <laughs> Madeline Brown, Lyndon Johnson's mistress, at a party at uh, Clint Merchinson's, Merchinson's home, November 21st, 1963. When was that? Uh, the day before the assassination. Hold on. This is getting, this plot is thickening. Lyndon Johnson told her after tomorrow, those. Uh, well, I'll just say, God darn it, Kennedys will be embar- will never embarrass me again. Whoa! Wait a minute. The next as of tomorrow. Tomorrow. Wow. Um, okay, I asked Lyndon. You've got to tell me. You've got to talk to me. Are got to pull it back. Okay. Are you? Were you involved with the Kennedy death? Kennedy's death. Finally, he said, you know, the people that I know, the oil people in the CIA, they did it, Ma- Madeline Brown. Is that the same lady? Well, maybe plus or minus, we don't know years. Really. Yeah, I'd say a few years. Who's uh, the guy on the uh, right with the suit in the time? Lyndon Johnson, a young Lyndon Johnson. Yes, Who's there on the side over there? Oh, it looks like Madeline Brown with some guy. Is that his son? Some son, yeah. You think there's a connection between the son and the father? Yeah, I do. They look a lot yeah, alike. Now, let's confirm. Madeline Brown, Lyndon Johnson's mistress and mother of their son. Okay. You recognize this face? <laughs> yeah, I don't like this guy. The... Uh, Geraldo Rivera show interviewed Madeline Brown, produced a letter. Madeline produced a letter. Okay. Okay, there's a show heading again. The letter was from Johnson's attorney. They would continue making payments to her until the boy reached 21. Oh, a letter he put, the attorney put it in writing, and she had the letter, oh, and this is this. Well, Geraldo did his job. Geraldo said they checked it out. It was real. Yeah. So Johnson had a mistress, and he told her, there ain't going to be no uh, JFK after tomorrow. Yeah. Wow. I met Geraldo at University of Arizona homecoming event. I gave him a flyer on the unseen hand. Uh, What university? University of Arizona. This is real. This happened. I asked him to read it, invite me onto the show, and he. He could have done this. He's got producers. Uh huh. 
He never did. Oh, my God. I wonder why. Is you afraid? Yeah, probably. Who's that? That's you, holding the unseen hand. And the, I think it's Jesse Ginsburg. I had to find my house here in Tucson. This was taken several years ago. Yeah, with the arches. But you can still see the resemblance to Tom Selleck, can't you? Oh, yes, of course. Arch, e- yeah. even, even more. Um, why do you question? Why do you do this when you know they will not respond? That's a, a, a question I'm asked all the time. I am responsible for the message, not the messenger. Does that make sense to you? Yes, it does. Here's the message. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. Have no fellowship with the works of darkness, but rather reprove, reprove that is, rebuke them. Little Ralph is in the reproving business. Right. I, I reproved Geraldo, uh, but it didn't, didn't work. Uh-huh. He was on the back of a convertible on homecoming, and I chased him down, and when he got out of the car, he was walking towards the van from the hotel, I guess. Geraldo, yeah, sorry. Hey, here, I happen to have a flyer in my pocket. He gave it to me, asked him to read it, and said, Geraldo, we need to talk. Huh. Jack Ruby was directly involved in support of the conspiracy that shot Kennedy. Oh, boy, this is not known by the even the Warren Commission. Let's read about Jack Ruby. Okay, Julia Ann Mercer. Shortly before 11 a.m. in Dealey Plaza, she was driving west on Elm. She found her lane blocked by a green Ford pickup truck containing two men. She saw a young man get out of the passenger side of the truck, remove a long paper bag, she could see an outline of a rifle in the bag. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Just an hour before the assassination, someone's taking a rifle up the hill, the grassy grassy knoll? Yeah. Wow. The man then walked up to the grassy knoll and was lost to her sight. As she pulled alongside the truck, she locked eyes with the driver. She drove on and stopped for breakfast. While eating, she spoke of her experience. As she drove on to Fort Worth, she was pulled over by policemen who took her back to Dallas for questioning. So you got to wonder who the cops are working for. (laughs) She was shown some photographs of various men. She picked out two. Turning one photo over, she read the name, Jack Ruby. She later claimed that her story concerning the truck was twisted and changed by both the FBI and the county sheriff's office. Her notarized signature on the sheriff's report was forged. End of comment. Isn't that interesting? Gee, the FBI changed the law to reports? Well, looking at what's happening today, it doesn't surprise me that the FBI did something like that. Uh, this is this goes back way back to the 60s. Yeah. All right. After Oswald left the Texas... Wait, 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 wait. What's that? What is that? What type of building is that? It's a theater. Okay. Yeah. Um, after Oswald left the Texas School Book Depository, he went to the, this theater. He didn't buy a ticket. <clears throat> okay. The manager called the police because a man didn't buy the ticket. 
next one guy didn't pay the ticket. We'll be right over. Yeah. Uh-oh. 50 police showed up to arrest a man who did not buy a ticket. Wait a minute. <laughs> 50 police. Somebody knew where Oswald was going, didn't they? Yeah. A witness in the theater saw Jack Ruby in the audience. What? Oh. Ruby was in the theater? Interesting. Yes. Now, it could be an imagination. I don't think so. Ruby knew where Oswald was going. Yeah, he was watching him, too, sounds like. Yeah. Okay. Wow. It sounds to me like the police and Jack Ruby knew Oswald would go to the theater. This I theater. wonder how they knew that. Let's see. Well, some of these, if I made, they're put on stock. That's why this is this is thicker than the regular sheet, so that's why it's confusing to try to pick it up. Okay. That, that's someone. Uh, Henry Wade, District Attorney of Dallas County, press uh, press conference on November 22, 1963. So we walked out to the media. Yes, here's our uh, suspect. And we now we have a name for him, and his name is... The suspect is Lee Harvey Oswald, and he's a member of the Free Cuba Committee. Wow. He was a patsy. Henry, that's the Fair Play Committee, Fair Play for Cuba Committee. Wade corrected himself and agreed. Who said it was the Free Committee that changed it? Who's that in the corner? Okay, which corner, Ralph? Over here. What did... Oh, it's okay. Jack Ruby. Jack Ruby. He shouted out to Henry. We're friends. You're wrong. It wasn't the Free Cuba Committee. It was the um, Fair was Play the... for Cuba Committee. Yeah. yeah. So, in other words, how did Ruby know that? Forty seventy-five books I read. Nobody's asking that question. They wow. got to ask that question. Sure. Because Oswald and Ruby were known to each other. Uh huh. And there's the proof of it. Yeah. It's a free, free Cuba or whatever it was. No. Play for Cuba committee. Yeah. Yeah. There he is again. Yep, that's him. How did Jack Ruby know that? Unless he knew Oswald. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, totally. Now, hold on. This is the next step of Jack Ruby. Jack Ruby fatally shot Lee Harvey Oswald on November 24th, 1963. Can you see Oswald? There's a man in the white suit or in the hat. And yeah. that's Oswald. I think he's already grimacing. Or... Yeah, he's been shot there at least are, once. Yeah. There are some people that have examined that photograph. And they say it shows that Oswald actually instantaneously recognized him like this, and then bang, he got shot. Huh. There, was, there was a split second where he said, wait a minute, what are you doing here? Right. Wow. Okay, mugshot. Jack Ruby. Yeah, that's him. The official story, Jack Ruby died on January 3rd, 1967. Of some form of cancer. So watch, 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 okay, get ready. Are you ready? Are you sitting warm down over there? Yes, I am. I'm buckled in, Ralph. 
Jack Ruby did not die in prison. Atlantic City, Super Channel on cable, maybe in the middle of 1980s, Matt Lauer, host, interviewed five guests on his local television station. Now, I, by God's grace, I flipped channels when we first got access to uh, cable, and I saw this program about the Kennedy assassination. Now, this will explain, and I'll have to explain what the symbols mean, but maybe you can figure it out. I'll give it my shot. <clears throat> XXXXO. Lady guests in the, <clears throat> in the OSS with her husband and Jack Ruby during the 1940s of World War II. Years later, received a phone call. This little <clears throat> represents a woman. I would guess she should be 75, 70, 75. Very frail, but nonetheless, she's got a story to tell. Right. And I think that code is four kisses and a hug, isn't it? Okay, I have to admit, I didn't hire an expert to do to correct that. I, I, someone probably would have charged me $4,000. Now, Mr. Everson, you can't have XXX, because that means hugs and kisses. And you're telling me we should all give this lady a hug instead of four kisses. No, it's a way to tell her it was the one last lady on the on the beaver. And, uh, <laughs> God, what a critic. All right, so someone paid you to be a critic. No, sir. Okay, Butterfly, her OSS code name, this is Shoelace. This was Jack Ruby's code name. You died in prison. No, they faked it and let me move to Canada. Wow. What? Oz Ruby didn't die? According to this little lady, who, by the way, notice she's dealing with a code of, of the language. In other words, she's, uh, they had, uh, what's the nickname, but that's not the right word, but they were uh, code names. Right. And the voice identified himself, I made out shoelace, or shoe whatever it was, and she's butterfly. Uh-huh. Do you still have that key I gave you in 1944? Yeah, that's Ruby. Read yeah. it again. Do you still have that key I gave you in 1944? Yes, I do. Please send it to an address in Canada. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Ruby's alive. Or was. Now, I believe this program was on the 25th of anniversary of the assassination, which was uh-huh. made 1978. Is that like 2063 plus 20? Is 88, whatever it was. And I just happened to, by God's grace, turn it in, and I saw that, and I thought I'd better make a note of that. Uh-huh. Well, they're still, Ruby's still not through yet. There is one more important part to Jack Ruby's story, and that is the story of Dorothy Kilgallen. Oh, I remember her. Yeah. That's right. You recognize that? Yeah, I do. So this is another part of the story, but no one I no one is covering except maybe two people. She, wasn't she an investigative reporter, Ralph? No, well, hold up. Okay, okay, I'll stop. You paid me big money to do this, and you're telling me what what I already know. How did, I, I'm going to buy you a zipper and say, okay, zip it up, and then unzip it and talk. Would you please? <laughs> okay. Sorry, T. You don't think I'm going to tell you who she is? Uh, I just remember on What's My Line all the time, that's all. 
Oh, now you ruined that as well. <laughs> Called the most famous columnist of her day. She was also a syndicated columnist in a variety of newspapers. God. Did you say, what's my line? No, you didn't. You don't, you don't, you were wrong. It was, uh, I have to do this because these are in sequence. And was a regular host on one of the popular television shows in the 1960 called What's My Line? It ran from 1960 to 1967. But that was courtesy of David Ruffino who brought that to our attention. Thank you, David, for doing that. It's, it's, just, it's just verifying your facts, Ralph. <laughs> from your extensive memory, you were still a child in the 70s. You were three years old. I'll give you that. Uh, she took an interest in the Jack Ruby court case and actually attended the trial. Oh, my goodness. Have you ever heard that before? Am I allowed to talk? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm zipping for that one. Think of his Bob. Uh, Jack Ruby asked his lawyer to tell Miss Kilgallen he wanted to talk to her in his jail cell. They had numerous interviews. Oh, my goodness. In other words, she was learning what was going on. This is going very quickly, by the way. I'm pleased. She kept all of her notes and findings private and actually gave them to a personal friend to safeguard them. After these interviews, she told her friends... Hold on, Dorothy. Don't bite off more than you can chew. I am going to break. I am going to break this case wide open. But she died on the night of January third, nineteen sixty-seven. Where did I see that date before? Well, you were probably watching it as a three-year-old. I was eight years old in nineteen sixty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> The official autopsy said ingestion of alcohol and barbiturates. Her husband said she had gone to bed feeling chipper. As I said, she tried to protect her notes by giving them to a close personal friend. But a short time later, this woman committed suicide. Yeah, right. She was oh, Hillary. Right. The Hillary reader. Uh, I, okay. Uh this could be corrected as well. Who was the her? Of course, this was a, a, a Kilgallen. And her records. Yes. Well, what happened to them, Ralph? Do you know what happened to them, Ralph? Yes. Tell us, David. What happened to her records since you know everything? I have no idea, Ralph. Why don't you enlighten me? <laughs> Mysteriously disappeared. Thank you, Miss Kilgallen, for trying. Yes, you They not only knew... Dorothy was getting into this thing with, with the ruby, but they knew she transferred her records to a friend to protect them, and what happened to her? Oh, she just committed suicide. Well, she should have never said that she transferred them to a friend. Yeah. You know? Well, you never, you, you, this is the danger of getting into this conspiracy. Yeah. All, those of us who dig this stuff out fear this every day, right. because I could just be the one that says, He's getting too close. Uh-huh. Now, or I, I, okay, I said Ralph, but you can be me. Okay. Now, let me answer the question of where was Lee Harvey Oswald if he was not on the sixth floor? Now, so we're jumping way back along. 
Okay, who's this? You push you and go every time. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't know. Um, James at Alkins, associate press photographer. Well, this man took a very interesting picture. Now, this is the whole thing, and we're going to we're going to zoom in. So I want you to see the whole picture. Okay. Can you see shoulder to shoulder, right? Yep. Well, what do you see? I see. Well, I see uh, Kennedy's car. I see two policemen. I see the Secret Service car behind him, and uh, everything's kind of far away for me to to see. It says this Texas School Book Depository taken from the south side of Elm Street, and this is the Alkins uh, photograph. That's the whole picture, both sides. Right. We're going to cut it in half just to make it easier. Well, there is a this is uh, the car approaching them. Uh huh. So we've got now. Forget the little picture in, in the on this side over here. That is that picture we're going to talk about in a minute. So okay. Just look at this picture. If you zoom in. In that doorway. Uh, wait, right. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I've got a better picture. A little bit. We're zooming in on it. Okay. Yes, that the hallway in the building there or okay, the doorway. Ken, Kennedy's there? arm up. Jackie's hand on his arm. Can you see that? Right. That, that that's her thumb and her first finger, with her, with his arm, which is raised to his neck. Right. And you can see that he's got his fingers, fingers clenched, and that that little white spot is his shirt. Right. So it, this is, and then he's behind the mirror. Uh huh. Right. Right. Okay. Wait. Now I'm going to. This picture. I'm going to read the next two sheets. Okay. Now look at the two Secret Service agents looking back into the depository building, the one right. sitting on the car. Uh -huh. Now look to their left at the man standing in the doorway. There. Right. There's someone standing on the landing of the second floor. The school book depository is six built floors, but the first floor is a daylight basement. The second floor is what you walk up a flight of stairs and then walk in, in uh, 10 feet, open the doors, and you're on the second floor. So it's the, he's on the second floor landing, but the sidewalk is, you can see the people standing in front of him. So we're now going to examine who is that guy. Right. Hey, it looks like Oswald. Yeah, he does. Okay. Now, I'm sorry. I, I'll make sure we zoom in to show. I want, I want you to understand where we are. Uh, you can see those two columns on each, each side of the doorway. Right. So, in other words, he's on the steps up on the landing of the second floor up against the, the wall, one wall up against that column. Right. That end right there is the... Harvey Oswald, and I'm going to prove it. Okay. This is, this is once again, maybe a little bit closer. Oh, yeah, I see him. Uh-huh. That man is 
college money. Well, that's incredible. Let's, let's draw some conclusions. If this is Oswald, then where, how can he be at the six foot at the same time? This is a picture taken at the time of the first shot. That's how you can tell. And of course, this covers it up. But Kennedy's already grabbed like this with his arms, and Jackie's holding and grabbed his arm. So what happened, honey? Wow. He's outside watching the Kennedy motorcade at the precise time of the first shot. Now you can start reading again. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, there he is right there. Look at that. Now, notice that arrow. Can right. you read it? A church uh, Oswald or Lovelady with a question mark. Yeah, okay. So the first thing they're doing is they're questioning this. We think it's Oswald, but they, oh, no, no, hold on. It's we, uh, 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 that guy named Lovelady. Yeah. Lovelady. <laughs> really Lovelady. Okay, now, let's read underneath. Now, let's go back. Okay. I want you to zero in on the, on the man standing there, and one at a time, Look for the following three facts. Do you see the V neckline T-shirt? Right. Okay. You see the? Uh, can you read the next? Yeah, the uh, the coat appears to be buttoned about three quarters of the way down. Would you agree with that? Yeah, right there. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Strange uh, crease on the man's right side, about halfway to the belt area. Did you see that? Yeah. Uh huh. I'm going to read the next year. Now, let's go back to the Alton's photograph. Now, let's, I'm going to do this from that building with the sign above it. Right. That's the school book. Oh, sorry, this building. That building right there. Right here. That's the school book depository. Uh-huh. No, it's not. I'm sorry. Forgive me. It's this one here. And the reason we know that is because that's got that uh, uh, Hertz Renicar uh, time upside. So that's right. the school book. Right so there. now, uh -huh. here's Algin standing there, and he took a picture that I filled in with yellow to show you that he was getting a wide image. He was trying to get the car, which is down here, but he right. got part of the school book depository here. Mm -hmm. So that's that background that we saw these people standing and that guy in the doorway. Right. It was very lucky that Mr. Alton's went to this position to take his picture because it not only showed the first shot of President Kennedy, it also caught the front wall of the depository building where Oswald was standing there. Right. From what we saw of the picture. I concur. Yeah. Now, I'll let you read this. Because this is now where we're going to start asking some tough questions. Okay. Oswald did not stay to watch the remainder of the motorcade. <clears throat> I find it puzzling that he did not stay around to see what happened next after he had seen the first shot. He went inside to get a Coca-Cola. Now that asks an interesting question. He didn't see, he was actually leaning out like I am at an angle now and watched 
and heard the first shot in the car moving. Mm-hmm. And then he said, well, I'm just going to go back. I want a Coke. So he walked back into the clean. He missed the second and third shots and the cars and people moving. He had a grandstand seat. Right. But he only got that one picture. He left. Why? I've got an answer. Okay. Now, this is, I have to admit, this is guesswork. I can't prove this, but it fits the facts. And that's the only, I'm the only one that's ever done this. Mm-hmm. Now, when he, he meets Oswald. He was confronted by a policeman who had run into the building because he thought the shots had come from the depository. He was accompanied by Roy Truly, the manager of the depository. And after Oswald standing there drinking a Coca-Cola, after running down the stairway, and we, and we, we know he didn't do that because Victoria would have hurt, the two, three girls would have hurt him. Right. So he didn't come down from the sixth floor. He was always up with him. Uh-huh. So he's standing there standing there drinking the Coke. The policeman testified that Oswald was not startled by the sight of the gun, nor was he somewhat out of breath after he had quickly run down the stairs. Isn't that strange? You run down five flights of stairs, creaking, making noise, letting everybody know you're running down, and suddenly you appear on the second floor. And when the cop run, the cop, by the way, I didn't put that in here. The policeman was turning the corner the first shot heard. And the bunch of doves or pigeons or whatever it is on the top floor with the hurt sign scattered. So he thought, well, maybe the guy was upstairs. So he parked his motorcycle right there at the at the gate, at the uh-huh. front door, and ran up the stairway with no Oswald was there, into the door. And as he got inside, there's Oswald drinking a coke. So if Oswald was up on the sixth floor, he really hustled. You're not kidding. And this policeman got up there. Just after the probably the second shot. Uh-huh. How could Oswald make it? We saw that he's gotta he's gotta go with the whole side of the building, gotta lay down a gun and then run down the stairs and then in the coat and then he's confronted by the police. No man could do that. That's right. That lady proved there was a conspiracy. Yeah, you're not kidding. Okay, now we're getting a supposition. You're talking for me. I believe he did not know about the motorcade before it happened. Okay, now, I, didn't, I don't think I got this in here. If I get we'll do it now. Oswald got the job on the 18th of October, which was a, a month, plus or minus, six weeks, five weeks, before the motorcade. Right. He had no way to know that that building would be in the motorcade itself. Mm-hmm. Until the twenty first, the, mo- the day before, when the Dallas Morning News published the map, I do not show it. But that car didn't make the swing; it went supposed to go straight down Main Street under the influence. So, how did he know that? Even if he knew in October, how did he know? It right. wasn't determined till the nineteenth of November. Right. No one's asked that question, except guess who? And went to which university? University of Arizona. I'll give you a cracker for that one. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
I believe his training taught him to watch for the big event and that he would and that would be his clue to start his assignment of getting to Cuba to assassinate Fidel Castro. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right. Nobody has even conjectured that possibility except now I don't I'm gonna be honest, I don't take credit for that. I just stumble. I'm able to think I've got a great and I'm a college graduate too. Oh, I don't get any uh, refund on my uh, tuition or whatever they say. I didn't pay anything. I, by the way, is interesting. I think I paid $200 for 15 15 credit unions every semester. So I wrote a check on my brother's check account. And my brother, so it's $500 maybe with two of us for four years. That was $15,000 a year. Yeah. Highway robbery. Especially at that college. So Oswald just finishes coke and calmly headed out the building. That sounds a strange thing to do for a guy who just murdered somebody. Yeah. Or even to witness a murder. (laughs) Okay, excuse me, I'm dry. And this is water, not a bubbly alcoholic beverage. Ralph, would you excuse me for a minute while I go get a bubbly bubbly beverage? Okay. Just so... Just so that nobody can identify me with Oswald, I'm drinking a Pepsi. See? Okay. A little break time, folks. Um, you have to have that when you're having a show this long, you know. When you're reading this much out loud, sometimes your voice kind of goes. And I think Ralph has been presenting some very interesting facts and things I've never heard of before. And the things I have heard of, he always builds upon. Ralph is always finding something new um, when it comes to the Kennedy assassination and many other things, too. So, you know, when Ralph is on the phone and he says, have you heard? I'm I'm like, oh, I'm about to get educated some more. So I like to be educated. So Um, anyway. Um, so we're, we're, I don't like there to be a lot of dead air so I just want uh, people that are listening on the radio to know that uh, and I'll take that, that pause out but just to know that you know we're still here <laughs> we're still talking and uh, I've known Ralph now for oh, probably about 10 years and uh, I know it would be a a good researcher and a person that's not going to say something unless he's got the materials to back it up. And uh, very, I don't think I've ever heard supposition from come out of his mouth. So um, anyway, uh, so we're just waiting while he's either refreshing his drink or whatever. Um, we had a little trouble getting on. Uh, we, we couldn't hear each other. And uh, we had a, shut uh, Zoom down and it started back up. By the way, I think I'm going to be using Zoom from now on for our, for our radio program. Uh, unless I have to, to show things. Um, I, I, I did a whole show for an hour and 45 minutes yesterday, and some of the things I was presenting didn't show up. The, the audio didn't show up, and it totally just it was like <laughs> this isn't the first time this has happened. You know, and, and when it happens, it's really disheartening. So, uh, 
so I think we'll use this from now on and unless I have to show stuff uh, videos or something like that and there may be a way to do that on here I don't know so we'll see I just don't know okay I thought it was interesting that the FBI fudged on information Ralph was telling us and you know the FBI has been corrupt for many years when Hoover was in there he didn't like the Kennedys and he did everything he can to try to get rid of the Kennedys and well I think he probably had a lot to do with this assassination too I think it, this uh, this whole thing this whole conspiracy has multiple facets on it, it, it more facets than you can fit on a diamond that's for sure so anyway let's see I know if I start singing Ralph will come so <laughs> but I'm not going to do that to you folks um, I always do that with him when we're we have a long pause or something and <laughs> oh no you're singing stop so, anyway, um, so what's happening in the news? Oh, here he is. Did you think I left forever? I hope was hoping you didn't. I didn't want to be, I don't want to be associated with Oswald, so I went and got a Pepsi. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> good. I had, I, I, last, as I got up this morning, I said, well, I'll take a nap from 9 o'clock to 10, and I slept till 11. I oh, said, wow. I've got to get things done. So I finished up everything else, and I went to, I I, I go to it. You can edit this out, okay? Uh, I'm not very good at editing uh, video, Ralph, so. Okay, well, let's just forget it then. Okay. Okay, now let's change the subject a little bit. Let me take a giant sip. Okay. Much cool. Okay, here we go. Now we're going to go to the next step. Oh, the Warren Commission, seven members. Okay. The members, one Supreme Court Justice, Mason. Two Senators, one Mason. Two Congressmen, one Mason. One ex-CIA Director. One ex-President of the World Bank. One lawyer was a Mason, and one chief FBI was a Mason. Well, it sounds like a Masonic meeting here. Yeah, right. That'd be a subject of another discussion. I don't cover it today, but just okay. to introduce the idea. Okay. Conclusion number one: There were three shots from the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository. Number two: There was a shot to the back of the neck. Number three: There was a shot to the back of the head. Number four, a sole shooter, Lee Harvey Oswald. Wait, wait. Who decided that one, three shots were got up before, huh? Yeah, right? How, how do we do that? Doesn't make sense. No. Conclusions, Parkland doctors. One front shot to the neck. Oh, I'm sorry, forgive me. Uh, 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 Kennedy was rushed to Parkland Hospital. Mm -hmm. I didn't say that. That's to identify where we are. We're okay. the hospital. So at Parkland Hospital, we had the Parkland doctors. Uh, one, the front shot to the neck. 
Two, the shot to the back, nine inches from the neckline, two to three inches to the right of the, the backbone. Mm -hmm. Oh, here we go. Okay, it's not true. The magic bullet. Yeah. This is how, well, what's his name? Connolly was sitting in front. Uh -huh. Outside, it went through the neck and came out the neck and went over and knocked, hit, hit Mr. Connolly with four injuries. Yeah, on the right wrist. Warren Commission, single bullet theory. Yeah, it makes as much sense. Yeah. Let's see if the Warren Commission's right. That's that's Kennedy's autopsy. And these, oh, these are the Parkland Hospital. I think these are... Oh, Bethesda Hospital. Bethesda, okay. Yeah. Notice where the back shot is. Right. Yellow shows a dot, which was a shot to the back. And it was a little bit to the, maybe it says over there, a little bit to the right or whatever left it is, is and then down about six inches from the neckline. Right. That that was some sort of shot uh, 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 star from uh, Kennedy's back. And then here's the, uh, here's the, uh, I don't know if there's any shots here, I don't know. Yeah, but that's the hospital autopsy report, right side, back seven inches down, two inches to the right. Okay, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were going to say Yeah, no problem. Okay, now let's discuss Mr. and Mrs. Evans. Okay, discuss the evidence that Oswald did not shoot Kennedy. Arizona Daily Star, May 13, 1992, page A6. CIA files show government tracked Oswald for three years. That's 1990, like, 65 or something, plus three years. Mm -hmm. Okay, here we go. Now we're going to examine Oswald in the doorway. Okay. Sure looks like him. Oh, well. Uh, this is possibly the clearest picture of the possible Oswald. Right there in the center, right? Yeah, right there. Now notice, once again, notice the V-neckline t-shirt. Right. Notice the coach got that strange bend in the right hand. I guess the left side, I don't know which side it is. I'm, I'm looking backwards. But there's a bend. It's, it's a little bit thicker than a shirt is, yeah. but it's not buttoned. And then the uh, third thing is that it's button, not button until like almost two thirds of the way down. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. It's going to play a lot of interesting. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I, this is once again. I guess I got this out of order. But there's the man in the doorway. I believe it's Oswald. Right. And Jackie. Assisting John with the with the uh, uh, fingers and the, the shirt and the feet. Uh, right. Okay. And let's go here to this. See, there's the stairways going up the uh, up the. Uh, uh huh. So you walk on the sidewalk and you enter up the stairs, and then in the background are two doors or maybe one, probably two, that swing open. And that right. yellow dot represents where Oswald was standing on the left side or whatever it is, uh -huh. east side of the uh, 
So you'll notice on the other side, there's a little bit of a, um, like a, a rock. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's probably as wide as the column going back. So there's one on either side. And that's uh-huh. what Oswald was standing on. Right. Huh. Okay. Yeah. What's it say? Oswald standing on the edge of the stairs to the front door. Okay. Now, remember what we said about the shirt. Right. Who's that? That's Oswald. He's been arrested. Notice, V-neck T-shirt. Hold on, do you see it? Yeah, right there. Strange line on his right. Okay. Yeah, okay. Let's walk uh, three-quarters of the way down, and the shirt unbuttoned. Yeah. Yeah. So in other words, that's what the man in the doorway was wearing. Exactly. Now, this is going to show a real conflict because we're going to find some evidence of the FBI tampering with this thing. Oh, no. Oh, no. Not the FBI. No. <laughs> Not the sacrosanct. Okay, here's some more pictures. Yeah. Who's that? That's Oswald. It's... See the same things? Three things? Yeah. This is while he's being questioned, running around all over the bed. First bit. Uh-huh. V-neck T-shirt, strange line on his right, small curve, three-quarters of the way down, and shirt unbuttoned. Let's see if we can find some clues from the shirt itself. Okay. Oh, I can't do that because that would be having special advice. This this shirt, I'm told, I did, I've not seen it, but i got pictures of it. This shirt is hanging in the school book depository in the little museum on the sixth floor, I've been told. So this does exist. Okay. Okay. Yeah, there's the buttons down lower. Only two of four buttons. Do you see buttons above there? No, not at all. How many buttons are there? Two, and there's no buttonholes either up there for the other side. You still see the uh, green neckline and the T-shirt and the... There's Uh one button, I guess, at the bottom. Right, and then there's another one underneath it, but it's not buttoned. Yeah. Right there, yeah. So Oswald was wearing the uniform he was wearing in the picture. Right. Okay, now, they said it can't be Oswald, because he's up on the sixth floor. Everybody knows that. He's firing shots. Uh-huh. The FBI could not find a full frontal picture of, of Billy Lovelady, so they asked him to come and pose for these pictures. Now, why would they do that in February? The shooting was in, what, December? November. Mm-hmm. So Oswald, like a dummy, does what they tell. There he is. There's a little lady right there standing in your face. Uh-huh. Now, notice, they asked him to wear the shirt he was wearing the day of the assassination. That's a striped shirt. Now, I, I have been told that it's a color picture that people have used to make convert to black. And that's a red-white striped shirt. Does that look at all like the shirt that Kennedy Oswald was wearing in the doorway? Not at all. Uh-uh. Now, let's do something special. Notice something about his hair being. Uh-huh. right there. A little curve up there like he's got a balding pattern. Right. Let's see if that... Is that going to play some role in this thing? Let's see if it did. Now, I have to admit, this is blurred. Don't remember, forget, that picture probably of Oswald is maybe a quarter inch high. 
So right. this is what you get is when you zoom in. Uh -huh. Notice that's right there. What is that sea-looking thing in the above his, right above his nose out in his air dune? Yeah, but... It, you it, saw it, that in the picture. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's not, well... Okay. Notice the sea edge in the hairline. Yeah. Uh -huh. I was born in 1964, a year later. And I, I, that's my... Oh, that's a good job, good idea, Ralph. I did have to pay for that. That was done by the artist, Ralph Epperson. Okay. <laughs> Why would you laugh? Well, I've got two of his works hanging on my wall here. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that's very, very clear in a real photograph. That uh -huh. little sea cup hairline's missing. And there right. it is missing on... Wait a minute. That's Love Lady's head on Oswald's body. Right. Now, there's a there's a problem. They can't show the shirt he's wearing because if they did, they'd have buttons and, and buttoned it. And then Oswald, they had to put the neck white on Oswald's body because they didn't have the master of this picture of all jokes. Uh -huh. So they had to do the best they could. So they, they did find later on, uh-oh, here's Billy Lovelady. Billy Lovelady, co-worker, Texas school, school Book Depository on the area of the front of the TSBD, different shirt. Oh, look at that. Does that look like the, the shirt Oswald was wearing? No. Okay, let's see if that shirt shows up. Oh, oh, I got this picture. There we go. Okay, Billy Lovelady, February 1964. I asked him to pose. He's not a subject. They wanted his picture. Why? To doctor the picture of Oswald in the doorway. Exactly. Man, oh, man. Now, here's the best I can do. There is Lovelady's head. Uh -huh. With the circle C. There's the T-shirt of Oswald and Love Lady shirt. This means this picture has been doctored by the somebody, the FBI, someone that knows how to do it. They took that picture I just showed you of the shirt and glossed it over this shirt and made it look like that shirt up there with, you know. Right. This one. Mm -hmm. That's the shirt that Oswald is wearing in the picture. Right. See that? Uh -huh. That's the shirt that he was wearing. They did have a, a side view of, of uh, Love Lady, right. and that's the one I just showed you. Mm -hmm. So the question of whether it's Oswald or, or, or Love Lady revolves around a very simple History got a break. This was all about a shirt that was missing two buttons. Do you understand how lucky we are? Yeah, for sure. Because we can prove that that picture has been doctored. Not mm -hmm. one of the 75 books that I've read on this subject has ever mentioned that at all. Wow. And the picture, and the C cup in his haircut. Uh-huh. What university did I go to? Aris, uh, no, uh, University of Arizona. So wait a minute, this poses a real problem. Right. Where's Oswald? 
He's up here, right? Oswald was not here. Oh. He was down there by the little uh, or uh, yellow circle. Well, how could he be in the same place at the same time? It's he impossible. Must, he yeah. was a magician. Yeah. He time traveled. <laughs> <A UFO laughs> <back> <laughs> what excuse, explain, explanation is there? A conspiracy. That's the He was never on the sixth Well, I'm sure he worked up there, but the day of the shooting, he never got to the sixth floor. Right. Now, I agree. Let's identify this man first of all. It's, I'll get you a better picture, but let's see what his name is. Malcolm Kildruff, Kennedy's assistant press secretary, waited outside operating room one, operating room one, Parkland Hospital. Okay, so he's outside, the, inside the doors are closed, and inside the people are frantically trying to save his life. Right. Waited outside operating room, Parkland Hospital. Dr. George Berkey, Kennedy personal doctor, came out, shot in the right temple. The right temple? Whoever said the right temple? Berkeley was there. Right. He watched it. The right temple. That shot is not mentioned by the Warren Commission. Right. Isn't that interesting? Malcolm Kildrow, Kennedy Assistant Press Secretary. The president died at 1 o'clock p.m. Voice from, voice from the press corps. Where was he shot? Malcolm Kildrow, the right temple. Berkeley did that. Yeah. Where was he shot, Dr. Berkeley? Tell you, Malcolm. Mm -hmm. Are we ready? Yeah, get ready. It is controversy time. That was a drum roll? Yeah, a very poor one, but... Yeah. You failed drummery, too. <laughs> okay. Of all the things I will say, this is the most controversial... I've talked, I've dealt in controversy, but this one is the, this one has gotten more flack, but I know that I'm right. William Greer, Secret Service agent. Oh. Forgive me, this is a very blurred picture of frame 313. I hate that picture. That is supposed to be Kennedy getting a shot from the back. This yeah. photograph has been altered. This is the Zapruder film. That picture you see in front of you has been altered because the shot went back. Boom. All over his head. Back is front as well. Yeah. But they don't show that in the Zapruder, do they? No, they show uh -uh. It straight. Well, actually, they show it coming from the back of his head. Right. They want us to believe. Uh-oh. Are you put your seatbelt on? I've got it on, Ralph. Here we go. One, William Greer, Secret Service agent, the driver, 
Two, brought the car to a near, nearly to a stop. Three, reached under his seat. Four, pulled up a pistol. Five, placed it on his right shoulder. Now, wait a minute. I just said it brought the car to an absolute stop, or nearly a stop. That car is moving. Yeah, it is. The Zapruder film shows the car moving relatively constantly from one end to the other. There's no stopping, but somehow I'm contending the driver stopped the car because of the next film on the other side. Really? Yes. But this is the Zapruder film, which shows the car in motion which means the Zapruder film has been doctored as well. It wow. covered up the back sh shot, which his whole bloody head exploded. Yeah. Let's do it again. William Greer, Secret Service agent, the driver, brought the car to a near stop, reached under the seat, pulled up a pistol, placed it on his right shoulder. And fired. Nobody in 75 books that I've read talks about this. Mm -hmm. The stop car and the driver actually doing the shooting. And I'm still saying it, still proving it. Right. When we get together for the, the other studies, we all get into that proof it's shot better. Okay. The shot hit the president in the... This is the shot of, I contend, the driver of the car. Really. Okay. In the right temple. This is Rob Epperson. I believe the gun that the driver, William Greer, used to shoot President Kennedy. You want to see the gun? Yeah. surfaced during the Frank Church Committee to study the CIA. I don't know if I got the date here, but it was... Uh, I don't know if I got the date recorded, but it was 10, 12 years later. Uh -huh. Investigating the CIA. The gun was... And this is this is from a book that I read by Jim Mars. The gun was manufactured at Fort Dietrich, located in Frederick, Maryland. The gun is an air-powered uh, weapon that shoots a small pellet containing shellfish toxin, the most poisonous substance known. In other words, it was not a pistol firing a bullet, which would mean possibly smoke and reaction it's a pellet gun uh -huh. that fired a pellet into the head with such force it actually went to the right temple and straight out the back. It blew the back of his head off. The back of his head was open, open, right. yet the board commission said there was a bullet hole there. Wrong! That's right. You're right. Now, I, I this time I hired a, a a very expensive artist to draw this diagram, and that artist was me. 
please forgive me. I don't have any money. I do it myself. What do we explain? Okay, we got an arch there. Frank Church, January 1975. Uh, Barry Goldwater. And... Okay, okay, this is at the hearing, I guess. And the gun was sitting on the table. Um, William Colby is the aide, the CIA director. Um, Frank Church... Com Frank Church Committee. Okay, but, but where did the gun go? Follow the blue line. Okay, the gun went... Behind. Right, behind the, the table and over to Barry Goldwater. Yes. Now, that's strange. That caused a, that a real problem. Because the custom is that the, the chairman gets the whatever they dis displays. Right. So why did they go to Goldwater first? Only Ralph Everson has an answer, and I think it's valid. Enlighten me, Ralph. Us. Read this, number one. Senator Church asked William Colby, the head of the CIA, if he brought the weapon that could be used for close-in assassinations. Mr. Colby said that he did, and Senator Church asked if the committee could see it. Mr. Colby's aide picked up the gun and brought it to Senator Barry Goldwater. Senator Walter Mondale made a point about this because the gun should have gone to Senator Church first. Now that is It's on video. All we see is, is uh, Mondale sitting in a chair and a cameraman on his left and someone sitting in front of him and they're talking back and forth. Mm -hmm. So Mondale is going to speak to somebody. We don't know who. But he talks and you can hear it and see him talk. Uh-huh. Mondale said he asked Barry about this and wondered how he got to handle the gun before Senator Church, who should have handled the gun first. And Barry responded he had learned it from, the Sen from Senator Hubert Humphrey. Mondale thought this was funny and he laughed. You can see the video clip on my Kennedy assassination DVD. <laughs> I asked Gold about it. What about that? Oh, well, let's go now. I said, read. I'm going to let you read. Just... Okay. Now, why did Goldwater get to handle the gun first? I think it was because this is the gun that Colby, that cost Barry Goldwater the election in 1964. 64 against John Kennedy. And they thought it would be a nice gesture to handle the gun first. I worked as a volunteer. Forgive me. That's okay. I worked as a volunteer during the Goldwater election starting in 1963, and the polls said he would defeat John Kennedy. And of course, I started in 62, 63, and then he was taken out in the latter part of the year. But right. during the time I, w I joined the Young Republicans, they were very, very conservative. They Goldwater, you maybe don't know, maybe you're too young and not aware. He started a movement around the country, lecturing, speaking to campuses. You've got to become a conservative, stand up and join. And he got the young Americans for freedom and the conservatives passing and doing everything was being done until the election. All the polls said, and the cars, as I drove around L.A., where I lived at the time, all said, Goldwater, Goldwater, Goldwater. No one knew where it was. Kennedy. 
Don't guess what happened. Okay. What is that? Senator Barry Goldwater. Yeah. Now, by the way, the the the, the scope has been added, but right. that is that's the gun. Now, can you read this? Senator Barry Goldwater holding an air-fired pistol uh, brought to the Senate committee by William Colby, CIA leader, during Senator Frank Church's hearings. So here's another picture to confirm what the gun looked like. Okay, Ralph Epperson leaves his gun that shot Kennedy. Senator Frank Church, chairman of the committee. I guess he was, yeah, that's him holding up the pistol. So he finally got the gun. Right. But that gun was under the seat of World Lear. Now, I'm going to pretend I'm going to be two actors at once since I'm Tom Selleck. Okay. Here's here's Greer driving the car. And he decides to turn. Oh, no. And, and here's the, uh, um, the, the head of the secret, secret service in the passenger side. They both go down like this. Almost hit the dashboard, and then he pulls up with his left hand. It's done. Fires it. Pulls it back down. And then the two of them go back down again, which implies the Secret Service had knew this was going to happen. Wow. Holy mackerel. Yes. Heavy, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I don't know anyone. Bill Cooper's the one that made it public way back in the 90s or something. And that clip about Barry Goldwater he put together as well. And I would urge you to get my Goldwater thing and, and you'll see this. Cut you laugh with him. Mm -hmm. Dr. Charles Crenshaw, Parkland Hospital, was one of the surgeons working to save the life of John Kennedy. He was ordered by an unnamed admiral in the room not to ever reveal anything that went on inside the operating room. There must have been 30 people in that room, maybe not. 20. It's not a very big room. I, yeah. Crenshaw did it well. And then he's going to explain. He actually took the people he was interviewed by into the room. And you can see it's not very big. Talk about an unsterile field, man. <laughs> he did not... He did not until he felt should, because he was old enough to do so. He wrote two books. So in other words, he said, I, I'm not going to talk, but later on, I'm too old. They can take me out. I'm, I'm old and apparently didn't have a wife and children. And right. whatever. So the guy got hooked up. Uh, in one book, JFK has been shot. I'm sorry, that's... Hey, you can't see that, but that's written by Dr. Crenshaw. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Second book. Um, JFK Conspiracy of Silence. And that, you can see, is Crenshaw on the list. Uh -huh. And here he is. He's inside the room he was operating in with this, whoever, Jane Pauley or whoever was interviewing him. So tell us what happened while I did this and that. Well, where was he shot? Okay. He's pointing to the right temple. Yeah. Did anyone else do that? 
Abraham Zapruder on Dallas television station interview. On the left. Pointing to the right temple. Yeah. And huh. He saw that, but you don't see it on the on the uh, Zapruder film. Uh-uh. There's a big blob. It looks like a stake here. Yeah. Covering that up. Covering up the hole. Mm-hmm. As far as I can determine, there is no mention of the temple shot in the Warren Commission. Now, what does that tell us? That they're hiding it. Why? Because <laughs> there's a conspiracy. Conclusion. A conspiracy. Assassinated John Kennedy and... There has been a conspiracy in the cover-up. And here is part of the reason for the cover-up. Next slide, Ralph. And, okay. All three of these men were in Dallas that day. <clears throat> Dan Rather, Peter Jennings, and Tom Brokaw. Wow. Isn't that an interesting coincidence? Yeah. It sounds like someone at the, the various networks knew what was going to happen in Dallas. It yeah. wasn't just a little parade. That's amazing. In other words, <laughs> I believe that's what they used to make sure those guys reported you saw the Kennedy assassination, you saw it happen, and you covered it, and you've covered it up. Now, do that with the rest of the news that we give you. Right. Wow. This is a newspaper ad for Oliver Stone's movie, Kevin Costner and JFK. Now, what do you think would be the media coverage of JFK's movie? Good or bad? Well, probably bad. <laughs> Newsweek. The twisted truth of JFK, why Oliver Stone's movie can't be trusted. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I'll tell you what. I believe I didn't have time to put it in there. But if you watch the movie... Oliver Stone, I believe this is my theory proved, or at least hinted, that the Masons were involved. Wow. Okay, let's go. If you can remember, have you ever seen the movie? No, I haven't. Okay. Uh, the garrison was portrayed by uh, Kevin Costner. He's the uh, lead guy. That's uh -huh. Kevin Costner. Okay. He's playing garrison. And he's clearly marked as Garrison in the movie. Right. Because Garrison was dead by this time. So I believe, as I remember. So anyway, they, they, he's been working on the... on the uh, Okay, there was there was a connection to Lee Harvey Oswald in New Orleans where Garrison was the district attorney. 20-some uh, years, a trial judge, and then we moved up to the district attorney. Very well liked by the reelected for years after years, and that that he was 
thought it should look into that. And the more that he did, he saw the evidence of the conspiracy. Uh-huh. He actually went to Dallas. He talked to uh, Mark Lane and other people or witnesses in the audit. And so he decided, I'm sorry, he waited until a man called Colonel X, who I will identify in a minute. But at the time, when the movie came out, he, well, who was that guy that met him on the, stair, on the stairs of the Lincoln Memorial? If you go to the Lincoln Memorial, you have to call, call it the stairs. Then you walk into a room and there's Lincoln, 30 feet tall, and it's a beautiful. I, I went there and just wept because I knew what happened to him as well. Right. So, and I read there several of his speeches on the wall. So then when we walked down, the guy, I was there to speak uh, in that city that night. This was the afternoon. The guy that was going to me, took the day off to drive me around the city. And we went by the Lincoln. I said, well, I want to see that. So we got out and I walked out. Mm-hmm. And then as we were walking down the, down the stairway, the, the, the mirrored uh, 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 water and the various other statues. But I, Garrison in the movie, Kevin Gossie, walked up about halfway, and from the left, you don't see him, and suddenly this man appears like this, and they start talking, and now down the stairs. And so they're walking, and as they're walking, he got the mic on him, and they're talking. The Colonel X is telling him, keep this, keep doing this. You might never get a proof, but you're the first one to ever challenge the whole Warren Commission. Keep doing it. So they go across and sit in the grass. And they sit in the grass, and behind them is the Washington Monument. Uh-huh. Right, you could see the whole thing. The grass was here, and here's the monument. And they're talking about many he goes back, and there's the, the Washington Monument. And then we overhearing another picture, and there's the Washington Monument. And there was Lincoln was assassinated by the Masons. And so he's telling us that the Masons were directly involved in the scene. Right. And then Colonel X, when he vacates the chair and leaves Garrison by himself, he walks away from the Lincoln to the Washington Monument. And I think Stone was trying to warn us the Masons are directly involved. And I will prove that the next time we meet. Okay. I'd like to do that. Yeah, sure. Okay, draw a conclusion. And that is a brief as I can make it. Now, conspiracy abundant. That's the end of it. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ralph. Small percentage of what I've done. Mm -hmm. I must have. 50, 75 books back here in the room, all about the Kennedy assassination. And I have to admit, I picked and choose. And of course, many of these people get half of the truth or 50%. But what you just saw is the most combined of the major evidence that there was a conspiracy. Now, the last part of that is we're going to identify who was in charge of six groups, members of inside these six groups that arranged the whole assassination. Oh, wow. I'm going to prove that by documentation. Cool. All right. Okay, Ralph, I can't wait. Next Wednesday, huh? Well, 
the Holy Friends. Okay. Okay, let's get off the subject and have a little laugh with you. Okay, do you want to stay on, on, uh, on the air? Or? Oh, yes. I just got some things to comment. Okay, sure. This is a letter. I have been doing this for 50-some years. In all of that time, writing very controversial books, I've had only one letter condemning me. And here it is. Now, I'm going to read it because you can't probably read it because it's handwritten. I can read that. Yeah, March, uh, October 9th, 1999, to Ralph Epperson, R.E., The New World Order. That's my second book. Mm -hmm. This book is so stupid that two couldn't... That I couldn't, I couldn't stop reading it. <laughs> what kind of dummy says that? <coughs> that shows real. He's a college graduate, probably a PhD. Yeah, he's probably a Demo so Democrat, I too. <laughs> I pick up a book. If there's no index, I throw it away. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, talk about right-wing crazies. You are the worst. Now, what does that mean? <laughs> so of all the right, the right-wing crazy, I'm the worst one, which means I don't really believe it. Right. So he's, he's telling me, you're really don't believe it. Right. Right. And those people, the people that do believe it, are right-wing crazies. But you uh -huh. don't believe it because you're. It shows me too that he's a left-wing crazy. <laughs> so here's the, here's the greatest comment of all. All right. Let me add that I wish that Bill Clinton is the. Uh, yes, I feel. I feel that Bill Clinton is the best president this country ever had. That show was the Bernard. He's delusional. He did that in 1999. Was that that was when Clinton was getting out, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's best after all the scandals and everything of his presidency. So if that's what that guy likes, and he got what he likes, I guess. I've um, shown you uh, pictures of my relatives. Mm -hmm. And this was a picture in 1882 of Sheriff Oliver Epperson. Interesting. They had black, they had color photography back then. That's interesting. No, I had a good <laughs> What am I doing? Well, you're either getting ready to hang somebody or yourself. One of the two. <laughs> Who's got the badge? You do. Is that a gun or not? Looks like one, yeah. Yes. Well, I meant to put this as a picture of our, of our... Oh, okay. There's after he got beat up. <laughs> I want to end this with just a, just a comment. I didn't get a chance to put this in there, but I now believe, or at least suspect, that Lee Harvey Oswald was a patriot. Hold on. Okay. Why? He joined the Marines. That's gung-ho, pretty much. Yeah. He was intelligent enough to not He actually, in my opinion, shot poorly so he didn't get a rifle. Mm -hmm. They gave him special training, and and he got into the Atsugi uh, base air base in Japan where the U-2 left. Uh -huh. And there are people that suspect that 
the Tommies got to Oswald and said, tell us about the U2. I don't know, but I'll tell you this. I found out something that I shouldn't have known. The U2 could fly at 90,000 feet. Uh-huh. At 90,000 feet, there's hardly any oxygen at all. Right. So there's a tank. I don't know how big it is, but you've got to fly maybe 3,000 miles. So it's got to be pretty good size. Uh-huh. So when you get up over 50 or so, you kick this tank to put oxygen into the gas, into the engines, to get right. you up to 90,000 feet. No Russian missile could ever get that high. Right. So the plane was sabotaged. Mm-hmm. And it was sabotaged. Gary Powers, who was the pilot, survived the crash. But he brought, he heard an explosion, and he could still control the airplane. So that well, because the jet engines turned off, he brought it down and tried to start it, and then he realized he was going to crash in the crash. Uh-huh. So I went to Davis Monthan, and I talked to uh, the, the uh, there's a word for it, the dojent, which means a volunteer. Uh, and, and look, all these, it's a boneyard of old airplanes. Uh-huh. And I walked around and they had a U-2 there. And I said, I said, I think what happened was the, the uh, oxygen tank exploded. Now, there's no oxygen tank on that U-2. Really? Yeah. I found out something I wasn't supposed to find out. Now, how I found out, I don't know. Huh. But there has to be an oxygen tank. Because at 90,000 feet, there's no oxygen, probably very little. Yeah, if you get if you get an airplane flying at twenty three thousand feet and it opens up the, the mass come down, you could you could, when the pilot will automatically lower the airplane to thirteen thousand feet. When you run out of air oxygen, you're still able to to breathe. Right, and he can fly the airplane and land it if it's still mm-hmm. So that means above thirteen thousand feet, it's weaker, less, less, but probably at ninety thousand feet. It's very, very hardly there. They yeah. had, so the guy said, look, there's no oxygen. Huh. I promise not to laugh. Okay. Yeah, I promise not to laugh. Boy Scout honor. All right, who's that? I see Ralph, Ralph Epperson, a.k.a. Tom Selleck. Hmm? And who's he with? This is some guy that came driving a, a van around the country. And he said, wait a minute, Ralph lives in Tucson, so he called me. And said, come on, we'll meet at so-and-so or Gary Green or whatever it was. So he met there. Uh-huh. So now, he's got a little daughter with him. His wife is sitting on the other side. So I said, I want a picture of you, Ralph. So he told his daughter, listen, uh, 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 we're sitting with a very famous author, and you should turn around and acknowledge that and, be, and smile at the picture. And say, I don't want to talk to Uncle Ralphie here. So, so she did that. <laughs> She's looking out the window, Ralph. <laughs> you don't get no respect at all, do you? No respect at all. Well, we'll finish with a couple last things. Okay. Two more little sheets and then we'll call it in. All right. Oh, gosh, how long have we been going? Uh, you said 2.45 is when we started, and it's 4.30 now. So we're an hour. three hours, two hours yet almost. Yeah, hours, yeah, an hour and 90 minutes. Uh-huh. Or whatever it is. Yeah. 
All right, the United States is the... Uh, we're, going to, we're going to exclude the pretty girl that you're studying. I want the statistics paid attention to. Okay, 36, 24, oh, never mind. Um, the United States is the third in murders throughout the world. If you remove Chicago, Detroit, Washington, D.C., St. Louis, and New Orleans, the United States is then 189th out of 193 countries in the entire world. P.S. All five cities have strict gun control. Wait a minute. The reason we have gun gun fights is because of Democrats are running those cities. That's right. And they're shooting, killing people. They're doing nothing about it to get our guns. Yeah. That's what this is all about. Mm-hmm. I agree. We're number one eighty nine out of one ninety three in gun deaths. Come on. That should be shouted from every church pulpit. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Okay, let's let's end with. Uh, I promise to not laugh at the guy that made the comment because he went to ASU and they're they're better than we were. You, you said that ASU Arizona State. Little Ralphie's at the at a gun show, and I've got my tape. Not a gun show. It was. Uh, Book, booksellers. So it was a, a common seminar, and we were speaking, always speaking, and I had my table. And it's now the last day, it's Sunday, and uh, it's very sparse, but I wait until the last guy leaves because you never know the guy come in, last guy come by, I buy the double books of 500, who knows? Yeah. I'm standing at my table, and there's very few people wanting So suddenly I will go, walk by, he's a wearing a backpack, and he looks like a typical grad student with this. And he walks by. Yeah. He says, he walks by and gets over here and stops and turns around and says, did you write that book on my table? I said, yes, the unseen hand. Listen mm-hmm. to this. I'm one quarter away from my master's degree, and I read The Unseen Hand. I learned more than I have learned about my subject in your book than I have learned in 19 years of study. That's incredible. What are they teaching him? Nothing. Yeah, turning him into mushmelons. You bet. Yeah. And this was 10, 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think we've got enough damage. Okay. I want me to go ahead and end it. I think that's fair. Okay. I, Stay on I, it, Ralph, after we're done. Well, I, just, um, I, I just want to thank you once again for sharing this with your, your listening audience. You're going to make the, put this up on a couple of... Uh, yeah, it's going to go up on True Social. Actually, there'll be a link on True Social. It'll go on Rumble. Um, and a video, or excuse me, an audio version will go in many different places. I see. Many different places. So, now, they're yeah. going to understand, please understand, we're a bunch of amateurs. We're trying to alert the American people. Exactly. I'm doing it very simply with words you can read and pay attention to and even walk away with remembering. Right. So a picture of Goldwater holding the gun that cost him the election mm-hmm. because if he had won... If, if the gun had not shot Kennedy, he would have won in a landslide. 
Right. But they right. didn't change horses in midstream. So Johnson literally creamed Burma, which by the way, ended the movement, which Barry Gordon on one last question. Uh, Bill Cosby on one of his commercials, I never watched his program, but click, click, click. Here's Cosby talking to his son. He said, mm -hmm. I brought you into this world. I can take you out of this world. Right. <laughs> Barry Goldwater said, I made the conservative movement and I can take it out when right. they kill John Kennedy. Uh -huh. That's how much I learned to disrespect Barry Goldwater. Wow. And I'll put him in place in subsequent meetings. We'll okay. talk a lot about Barry Goldwater. Good, thank you good. very much. Well, thank you, Ralph. I'll go ahead and end this now. We can talk a little bit. So, folks, thank you for, uh, for listening. Thank you for watching, if that's what you did. And we'll be back again. And Ralph's got a lot more insightful things that he wants to share with us and teach us. And I can't think of a better teacher than Ralph Epperson. So he gets my... My applause, and uh, and uh, we just hope and pray that everybody watches this and will get something out of it, and will get educated, and start doing something to preserve the union, and start getting out and and working instead of just sitting there and watching TV at night. So that being said, um, bye, Candios, everybody. Go with God, and um, may uh, Yahweh bless you um, daily until he comes back so okay good night see you later ralph